missed the phone last week, by the way. Oh, this is what I'm saying. 
I might have strayed from the path I might have gone a little crazy But I do all I could do With the time that you gave me Now when the sands in the glass run out If I did all I could do with the time that you gave me. That's a sermon and a song. Mm. Nathan, you're going to pull double duty today there, young fellow. Why don't you come on up and take the offering anyway? <laughs> and then, we got a special treat today. Well, Nathan's going Nathan's to sing a swan. Play and sing a swan. Let's see if I can get it together. Rock quit. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today, Lord God, thanking you for another day, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for supplying this building to gather in, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you move on the prayer requests, Lord God, that were mentioned, Lord Jesus. Help us in any way that we might need some help, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, for those families that ain't got much, Lord God, I pray that you move in their lives too, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you take these tithes and offerings to the good of your kingdom, Lord God, that they'll be used for only what you need them used for, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise and honor and thanks and glory, Lord God. Love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Turn Romans 8 and 28. We're going to read one verse there and dig into it a little bit, and then we're going to go back to Genesis. Because <clears throat> today we're going to do lessons from the life of Jacob and Joseph. And we're going to pull one particular point out of this. We could stay with Jacob and Joseph, or Jacob or Joseph, for months. Man. with all the lessons there are in their lives. But today I've got something uh, I've got something on my mind today that I want to share with you try to help you uh, with your perspective a little bit. A lessons from the life of Jacob and Joseph. A vertical purpose 
in a horizontal life. A vertical purpose in a horizontal life. And I want to say before we get started digging into the Scriptures that every one of us, every one of you, has a vertical purpose. Though you live a horizontal life. I want to dig into Romans 8 and 28 before we before we expound on that a little bit. I've been waiting six months to use the word expound. I finally snuck it in there. Romans 8 and 28. Now this is one that's quoted a lot and it is misquoted a lot because the whole verse is not usually quoted. You'll hear over and over again that we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. And that's usually where they stop. Like there's a period in that verse, but there's not. There's a comma. Amen. The verse reads, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His, His purpose. Right. Now, first in this verse, there's a really comforting thing in here that says all things work together for good. Now, if you love God, that means all things somehow or another whether we'll ever understand how they did or there can be some things in our life sometimes that we can't see how in the world this is going to work anything good out for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now one of the interesting things to me is that it says we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say for them that love God. Look what it says. To them. Mm-hmm. There are some things that come in our life that it don't work for us at first, it works to us, which means it works on us. There are some things that come our way that rub us the wrong way, and it feels like it's the wrong way. And the reason it feels like it's the wrong way is because it don't feel good. It can be painful. It can go against everything that's in our character. It can go against everything that's in our nature. It can cause us continual, constant discomfort. And the whole time, that can be right from God to work something to us. That when this thing, this season is over with, this thing that we're going through is over with, that when it's done, there will be some less rough edges in our life than there were before it came. Because there are some things that will come in your life that will just knock the wind out of you. And they're not any fun when they come. They don't feel good when they come. They hurt when they come. You can't see anything good in them whatsoever. And and honestly, I've lived long enough to know that there are some things that come our way that while we're going through them, there ain't anything good about them. There's not. They hurt. They bother us. They rob our sleep. They cause us to have a different temperament than we usually have. People will notice that we're a little bit edgy when we're not normally that way. Sometimes some things come our way that the only thing that good that comes out of them is when they're gone. When they're in the rearview mirror. Because there are some things that when we survive them, (laughs) there are some things you just survive. There are some things you don't enjoy, you don't get any good out. And when it's gone, you are happy it's gone. And you feel like, man, I didn't know if I was going to survive that. But some of those things, when you do survive it and you get through it and you're glad it's gone, you will realize after you catch your wind again, after you get your feet back under you again, you'll realize that you're stronger now 
than you were before that thing came. You'll realize that your prayer life is more consistent now than it was before that thing that was bad came. Because when something bad comes your way, you might not have a bunch of words and come up with flowery words and fancy prose. Been waiting a while to use that word too. Fancy prose, but you will talk to God consistently every morning you wake up and that bad thing is still there if you don't do anything other than ask God to get this thing out of here. But once God does get this thing out of here and it's over with, you'll realize that though there wasn't anything good in it when it was there, there are some good things that came to you through that thing after it's gone. So we know that all things work together for good to them. Not for them, to them that love God. And here it is, worded the exact same way. To them, not for them, to them who are called according to His purpose. That's important too. Because it's easy for us to think we know what the will of God is in our life. It's easy for us to look at situations and determine that the one that seems like it will have the biggest payoff must be the will of God. I mean, if we can do this over here and it's more enjoyable for us and we're going to receive a benefit right away from that thing, then surely that must be the will of God because He loves me and He's a good, good Father. Sometimes it's easy to forget that once we give our life to God, we become a tool in the hand of God. And that God may have some situations going on in somebody else's life or in a location that there isn't anything pleasant going on over there. Well, there isn't anything that looks good to the eye that's going on over there. But when God looks at that situation in that person's life and tries to come up with a way to change that, he's going to look around at his children and say, who can I send in this mess to help those people? And that could be you. And it could be me. So... It may be a situation that we would never sign up for. And that might be the will of God for us. Because we have to remember that once we give our lives to God, our life is no longer our life. It's God's life. And just like God, when He put skin on and gave everything there was to give for other people, all people who didn't deserve any of it, God will use us sometimes for people that don't deserve any of it. And people that don't show any appreciation for anything you do for them. But if God's going to use anybody to put in that situation, it's got to be one of His kids. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you guys... The situation looks like that would be the last one that God would have in mind for me might be the very one God wants me to be involved in. Because God doesn't always look and say, how's this going to benefit Lori? God doesn't always look and say, how's this going to help Spud? Sometimes God looks and says, how can Jimmy help that person? How can Kitty help that person? And he already knows that we're willing to pay whatever the price is because we've opened our mouth in prayer and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Lord, use me to help somebody. So when this scripture says we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, some things happen to us. And it don't feel like it's for us at all. Who are called according to 
His purpose. So there's, there's two conditions in this promise. If all things are going to work together for good to us, first we've got to love God. Amen. We've got to love God. Yes. And not just the aspect of God that I love God because He's done this, this, and this. And that's Amen. okay. Like the song says, it's one of my favorites. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. Amen. And that's where the relationship really starts because we come to God from a point of need. But then after that, there's got to be a love that matures and grows for God. Yes. That says, Lord, Amen. yes, I loved you first because you loved me back. I loved you first because I realized you'd already been loving me when I didn't love myself. Yeah. But now, God, I love you because now I know you, yes. God. Amen. Now I've come to know who you are. I've come to know a little bit about your personality. And Lord, all I see is awesome things in you. So though I started out loving you because you love me, now I love you because I know you a little better. So when that comes, that's when everything works to our good that love God and are called according to His purpose. Because His purpose might be something completely opposite of what we would sign up for. It might be something that you would never in a million years imagine could be what God's will is for you. It, sometimes it don't make sense on paper. Right. It didn't make sense on paper that me and Kitty would move 700 miles away from the only home we'd ever known. Right. It didn't make sense on paper that we would leave pastoring a revival church, that we loved everybody and almost all of them were our babies that we'd baptized, prayed through, seen God do miracles for, baptized 27 new ones in the last 10 weeks we were there. It didn't make sense that God would call us away from there and send us 700 miles away and not even tell us what for. But he did. And I can stand today and say, though it was heartbreak at the time, and though there was a lot of heartbreak afterwards, and though there was many times where we looked at each other and said, I don't understand that now today we see how all that in the rearview mirror worked out for our good. We didn't see it then. And it's a 20-year window in there. But now, now that we see what God is doing today, and now that we can tell where God is going tomorrow with what He's doing here and with what's going on in our country, now it all makes perfect sense. So we have to be careful that we don't determine what our effort for God is going to be based on logic. We have to be careful that we don't decide whether we're going to do something for God or not because it makes sense on paper. This book is filled with paper that tells stories of people that God told to do stuff that didn't make any sense when He told them to do it. I mean, God, if you're going to get in the furnace with them three boys, and why'd I just stop it all before it ever started? Why go through all that? Didn't make sense to me. But they did it, and God met him in the furnace. Yeah. Didn't make sense that God would let Daniel get arrested and have to go in the lion's den. If you're just going to shut the lion's mouth, how about keeping all that from happening and just meeting that king and have him change in the law? But he didn't do it that way, and Daniel had to go in the lion's den. And it might not have made sense to Daniel. He probably thought he was going to die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably thought they even yeah. told the king. They said, whether God saves us or not, we ain't by to you right. and we ain't serving your God. Amen. They were willing to give their life 
life and God met yeah. them in that Amen. furnace. Now it didn't make sense to them why being faithful to God should cost them their lives. It just it makes sense to us now that we can read those stories from the past of some brothers back down the road that did it the right way. They did it for our example. Yeah. Amen. So there are going to be things that come to your life and come to my life that may not feel good for you. And you may look at everything in that situation and say, this don't make no sense whatsoever. I'm doing my best to live for God. Why should I be in this situation when what you're going through might not be for you. It might be for somebody else's example. So we have to love God and we have to make sure we're called according to His purpose. His. Lord, I want to fulfill your purpose for me. You were created with and for a purpose. No matter how you may feel sometimes, like, I don't know what that is, and sometimes we even feel like we ain't got one. We can be busy and still feel like we ain't got one because the enemy will attack us and tell us we ain't doing nothing, it ain't amounting to nothing, but you were created with a purpose in God's mind for you. And we have to stay on God's purpose. That's one of the things that we're going to have to guard against as a church family. Because there's going to be opportunities in this next year. I already feel them. There's going to be opportunities to, to just do something a little bit different and have something that seems to the eye to be a great opportunity present itself. But we're going to have to make sure that we stand our ground and we stay committed to what our purpose in God is. Genesis 42 and 36. A vertical purpose in a horizontal life. Now what I mean by that, of course, vertical is up and down. And we know that horizontal is left to right. The difference between our perspective and God's, our perspective, we can only see as far as our eye can see. Now we can look straight up the air, but once it gets so far up, that's all we see. We don't see anything past what the limit of our vision is, vertically. We don't see anything past what the limit of our vision is horizontally from left to right. We live a life that's walking left to right every day of our life. And all we can see is as far as our vision can see horizontally. And we serve a vertical God. Amen. We're down here, and God is up there. And when God is a vertical God, that means He can see the whole picture. Right. He's a vertical God that can see my house on God's mountain in Bluffville. He can see Lori's house at the same time. And you can see all the way into Greenville at the Wells Ranch all at the same time because he has a vertical perspective. We don't. That's why there's sometimes God will bring something into our spirit that don't make sense to us according to what we can see. Right now, I can only see as far as that wall right there, and that's it. I know that there's the rest of the building on the other side of that wall, but I can't see it because I can only see horizontally. God, right now, with a vertical perspective, can see the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So there are times in my life and in your life 
where it seems like I don't see no hope in this situation whatsoever. I don't see any way this thing can get any better because we have a horizontal perspective. It don't make sense. But God, up here, Spud, is looking down and can see all of it. So there can be something in front of us that looks like, man, this would be a great thing to do, Kenny. I think we really need to go in this direction. It seems like that for everything I can see, it looks like a great thing to do. But God can bring something into our spirit, and we can feel a check about that. We can feel God putting a stop and putting the brakes on, and it don't make no sense to us. But to us, it's like, I just don't feel good about that for some reason, and I don't know why. We need to make sure we learn to listen to that. Because what that is, it's a God with a vertical perspective trying to keep us from making a horizontal mistake. So there'll be things in our life that might seem like they're really good and God can put the brakes on and we may never find out why God wouldn't let us have anything to do with that. But we put the brakes on because God wants us to and there can be situations that don't look good at all and God can nudge us right in the middle of that mess. And our minds tell us, man, I don't want nothing to do with this. This ain't going to do nothing but cost me time, money, headache, and sleep. And the whole time, God can be pushing us right in the middle of it because He doesn't have this horizontal perspective that's limited like human eyes, like our eyes. He's a God that sits up high and He's got a vertical perspective. He sees the ending from the beginning and everything in the middle. And see, that's where we are, in the middle. And it's hard when you're in the middle and you're trying to guess the ending. You know the beginning. You know where you started. And you're pretty sure you, you know where you're supposed to be now and you're there. And you're trying to guess the ending. And it can be tough when you're in the middle. But thank God we serve a God that sees the ending Amen. and the beginning. Amen. So we have to learn to trust and to trust is some of those, like the song said, sometimes in that valley, man, it ain't so easy to talk mm -hmm. about that faith Amen. as easy to talk about us up on the mountain. Right. Yeah. And now, this Jacob right here, we're, we're going to catch him at a time. Now, this is a man who has, though he swindled it, he's got the blessing of the firstborn from Isaac. He's got the, the promise that came through the family line. He imposed himself in the lineage of Jesus Christ, was never supposed to be there. The Bible's supposed to say Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And this dude swindles his way in. And now the Bible reads Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Esau should have had his name changed to Israel. Not Jacob. And yet Jacob got all of them promises. Jacob knows it. My seed. I've got 12 sons. And God promised that there was going to be many nations that was going to come out of me. And God promised that we were going to be the blessing for all of mankind. The Messiah is going to come through my family line. And yet here we find Jacob as he's an old man. And in 42 and 36, Jacob their father said unto them, me, you have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. See, Jacob thinks Joseph is dead. Joseph was the apple of his eye. He was his favorite child. I'm not going to 
stay there very long because that's a whole other lesson I am going to teach it. But if you do got one that's easier to get along with than the other one, you still don't, you don't make it obvious that one child is favored over the other. Right. Never. The Bible says that Joseph was the, the, the child of, of Jacob's old age. And it says that's why he favored him the way he did. And I have seen for myself that when uh, older couples receive the miracle of a child they weren't expecting, that it seems like they lose their mind worse than grandparents do. <laughs> I've seen it. And most of the time, when there is an older couple that has a child out of season, that child is usually rotten. That's usually the Walmart child. You walk through the doors and you can hear it screaming on the other side of the store because it didn't get what it wanted. And then when you're in there and it's been squalling for half an hour and then all of a sudden it's quiet and you go by that kid in the car, guess what it's got in its hands and it's cheesing over. Whatever it was, it was screaming over it couldn't get. What a shame it is that the miracle of a child in a couple's old age would be ruined and spoiled. <clears throat> See, that word spoiled, it's not supposed to mean, you know, we say it about some of our grandkids and kids, and, and we mean that, you know, we're going to fill them full of chocolate, buy them a loud toy, and then drop them off at home, pay back to, you know, to your daughter or your son. I'm, I know I've done it myself. What we don't mean by spoiled is that we're going to make that kid so bad they won't listen to nobody. Right. What we don't mean by spoiling is we're going to make that kid where they don't respect authority and they're going to right. talk back to their teacher and they're going to be in the principal's office all the time because we never told them no the first five years of their life. Right. But that's usually what happens to the child of someone's old age. So Jacob, he thinks Joseph is dead. And here he is. He says, you bereaved me of my children. Joseph is dead. Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away. Now, see, what's happened is his sons have gone into Egypt. They've gone looking for food. There's been famine that has come. And this man that's received all the promises of God and told they were going to be the most blessed nation in the whole world, now he can't even provide food for his family. He's got 12 sons, and none of them can find food. And instead of God blessing him with food... He's got to send his sons into Egypt to get food. Into a place that worships false gods. Mm. Into a place that worships their king like he's God. Do you think for a minute this made any sense to Jacob? God had told him personally, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. And now here he is. He can't even feed his family. And he's got to send his sons to buy food from somebody who thinks they're a god. See, Jacob's got a horizontal perspective. And horizontally, this don't make any sense at all. God's got a vertical perspective. And God knows he's got to get Jacob's family to Egypt. Jacob don't know nothing about this. You know why? Because God ain't told Jacob nothing about this. God told his grandfather Abraham... He told Abraham, he said, there's going to be a time where your, where your offspring are going to be kept in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. He told him about that. But Abraham didn't pass that down to Isaac, and Isaac didn't tell Jacob. But here it is in Jacob's day is when this is going to start to take place. I want to give you something to think about today. This is a hard thing to, 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 to grasp, but really is. 
We've talked before about how since there's been 2,000 years since the cross, and it's not the will of God that any should perish, that there's no way you're the first one in your family line to ever meet Jesus Christ in the fullness of the gospel. And some of y'all, ever since you encountered this Jesus name message, have started to discover you've got some ancestors that encountered this. Some of y'all <laughs> have found out that God's been surrounding your family for a little while now. Now your daughter's surrounded. So the day's coming. So it's been 2,000 years, and somewhere up your family tree, back down the road a ways, somebody else encountered this Jesus like you have. Now here's where your perspective has got to change. God has a purpose for every family. There are some families, like right now, in the Wells family, God's purpose for them, one of them in the kingdom, is that they are the worshipers. Today we just had worship service. And the parents led worship service. And then the son took up the offering. And then the son got up. And he continues and carries on that heritage he has received from his parents. And that's what the purpose for this generation in the kingdom of God is. Now I've said this a hundred times. I probably won't ever tell all of you all the details. But one of the purposes that is in the Russell family is the purposes of helps. Right. Because Lori and Travis, if they even get the idea right. that there's anything that you need, if it even crosses their mind that there's something somebody needs, I get a text or I get a phone call right. or I get them talking to me in person saying, hey, is there something we can do? Do you need this? Do they need that? So their purpose right now for that generation is a purpose of helps. Amen. So here's the thing though. That's what your purpose right now, one of them is, in the body that you're in right now, in this day. My purpose right now is to teach the Word of God. I'm one of them Old Testament Levites. I'm one of them teaching priests. That's what I do. I love it. That's what my purpose is right now to do. Amen. That is our current purpose in our generation for the kingdom. Here's what I want to give you. We also have a purpose in our family line for every generation after us. Jacob's generation, his purpose was to bear the sons that were going to be the 12 tribes of the Old Testament kingdom of God. But his 12 sons' purpose was to go into Egypt into bondage. Now they didn't do anything to deserve that. They had some hang-ups. They were jacked up a little bit, but they didn't deserve to be slaves. But see, God has a purpose in every family line all the way back from whoever your ancestor is off of Noah's Ark, and you got one. He has a purpose all the way back to that in your family line all the way until the last day when he stops tying dead in its tracks. And whatever the purpose he has for your family, it may be your generation's duty to your family line to all the generations after you, to Knox's, 
grandchildren to generations we may never see. God may bring things into our life that will push us into a position so we can fulfill whatever that purpose is for the generations after us. God moved the Wells family all the way from Kentucky and pushed them into Tennessee. Yes, they're blessed right now by this, but this will impact every generation to come. Because now they're going to know that great, 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 great came from Kentucky, but we've been in Tennessee. Right. The next generations are going to be volunteers. They ain't going to be wildcats. Right. They got wildcats in the family tree, right. but now they volunteers. Yeah. They ain't wearing the blue no more. No. They're wearing the orange. Right. Yeah. That's right. Lori's family in this generation has been moved. Lori and Travis Bull have been hungry, have been in sincere pursuit for the truth of God and God's purpose in their life. And it's caused them to look for it here and to look for it here and to look for it here and where some people might look and say, well, you can't just move from here to here to here. God says, if you can't find what I've got for you here, you go look for it there. If you can't find it there, you go look for it there. Because God has something for every one of us, and we should never settle for anything less than what God has got for us. So what Lori and Travis have done is they have maneuvered themselves into a place where now the family heritage in the Russell family, it's not brand Y anymore. It's brand J. Now, her grandson's heritage, his spiritual heritage, has been forever changed. Her daughter Abby, you heard her testify. She found out that her daughter's biological father has had an encounter with Jesus' name and has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Did you say also he's received the Holy Ghost? I do not know for sure, but I kind of feel that that is, like I said, we didn't have a long time to talk again, but I, I have a strong <laughs> So, now, now you see him now, okay? God's purpose in their family line, they have served God's purpose in their family line from their point forever forward now there is a Jesus name Holy Ghost heritage that's forever going to be passed down in their family line now why because when some of the awful things that were happening and the heartbreak over and over again and trying to trust somebody and finally letting your guard down and trusting them only to have your heart broken again and get to the place where your heart broke and you don't feel like you're ever going to find what it is that God's got for you when you're going through that misery it don't make sense when you're going through it does it Lori because all you're doing is looking for almighty God why shouldn't I be able to find him why wouldn't God let me find him right away 
I'll tell you why that happens sometimes. It's because when you've been through enough chunk, when you've been through enough stuff that you can't back it all up in the Word, when you run into the real Word of God and you see everything comes from the book and you see it happen right in front of your eyes, yeah. you'll never go back Thank again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Right. Amen. So I'm here today to tell you that every single one of you, us two, because now we only wear the blue at church, but now we're volunteers. Right. And our grandchildren don't know anything about the Yankee North where we came from. Thank God for that. All they know is the blessed Southern culture where people are still nice and still have manners. And I'm thankful for that. But all three of our families here today, you can look and see that we had some bad things happen. Yes, yes. But now that we can look back, we realize now that those things weren't against us. They were for us. Listen to what Jacob says. Jacob said, me, have you bereaved of my children? He's talking to the rest of his sons. You've taken my kids. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And now you're going to take Benjamin away. And look what he says. All these things are against me. Jacob had no idea that all those things weren't against him. They were for him. You know why he felt like they were against him? Because they hurt. Because they broke his heart. Because they didn't make sense to the eye. They didn't make sense on paper. And he couldn't look over here and have it make sense. He couldn't look over here and have it make sense. He couldn't recite God's promises back to him and have them line up with what was happening in his life, Jimmy. But that's because he had a horizontal life and we serve a God with a vertical perspective. Amen. Yeah. So I'm here today to tell you, you already know now that when you look back at some of the bad things that happened that uprooted you, that broke your heart, and at the time, man, all these things are against me. Now you stand under the cover of the blood of Jesus with full authority of the name, and you have forever changed your family lion's heritage, and now you know that though those things broke your heart and they didn't make sense to the eye of the mind, they weren't against you. They were for you. See, that's where that scripture comes in. It says, we don't walk by. That. Uh, yeah. See, Jacob. Jacob didn't have no Holy Ghost. Jacob didn't have no blood. He didn't have no authority in the name. He had a lot of promises. And so far, only one come true is he had 12 kids. And he thought he only had 10. He's thinking he's getting ready to only have nine. He thought Joseph was dead. He didn't think he's ever going to get... No, they weren't against him. They were for him. I hope you can put this in your spirit and save it for later. Because God's not nearly done with you yet. He's not. You're going to bless your family line after you and all. You've got a whole lot of time left. To bless every generation after you every way you can. What, what more would you want to spend your life doing? Who 
but what greater thing would you want to do than to guarantee that all the generations after you that came in your family were going to have heaven wide open to them to enjoy everything there is to enjoy about God Almighty? What more could you ask God to be able to do? And you're going to be able to do that. But you need to understand that sometimes when it comes, it ain't going to feel like it's for you. It's going to feel like it's against you. Jacob listed them. You know, when you list things, it's because it's been on your mind. You've been chewing on it. He listed them all. And he said, all of these things are against me. The unspoken verse here is, God, where's my promise at? You promised me 12 sons. I'm fixing to lose three of them. I'm only going to have nine. God, you said that we'd be blessed in every way you've got the blessing nation. And i got to send my sons into Egypt to buy food from some idol worshiping heathen. Where are my promises, God? Mm. Where are my promises? And the whole time, you see what God was doing? God was maneuvering Jacob and all his sons into a position to be able to receive that promise. Church, sometimes there's some pain before the promise. They didn't always have epidurals. They used to be a lot louder on that maternity board. You used to hear a lot more uh, husbands getting slapped. Right. Reach down to hold her hand and squeeze her hand. Don't touch me! You did this to me! I remember our grown daughter had one of them and she decided she was going to do it natural. Uh, I don't know, man. She changed her mind, but it was too late. Do you know what she said? She's a grown woman. She didn't say, Mom. She said, Mommy. <laughs> I think every mama that ever went through those pains before the promise probably said, I ain't ever doing this again. Some of them have four, five, six, seven. And once the promise shows up, all of a sudden the pain's forgotten. That same mama just a few minutes ago was wanting to wring that husband's neck and said, you ain't ever getting near me again. You did that. It's your fault. Right. That baby's there and he holds that baby up. Oh, look. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get any closer. <laughs> Dangerous. Sometimes there's pain before the promise, but when that promise shows up, you forget about the pain. This Jacob. It sure felt like everything was against him. And then his son Joseph, we'll get into his story at another time, but his son Joseph went through the same thing. He was the son of Jacob's old age, spoiled rotten. And he even says Jacob loved him more than all his other sons. That's a sin. You're going to like the one that behaves the most. I mean, you can't help it. Some kids are easy to get along with than others, and some ain't. That's just the way it is. I know. I was one of them that wasn't easy to get along with. I spent a lot of time picking something off that switch tree. I know I wasn't nobody's favorite. I ain't got a problem with it. But I earned it. But one of them shows up and they're just a favorite and the dad makes it well known that he loves this one more than all the rest of y'all. 
And then he puts a coat of many colors on this kid because that's whoa. The Bible says the other sons couldn't even speak peacefully to Joseph. Bad parenting can really mess a kid's life up with his siblings. That's what Jacob did. He showed his favoritism so bad that none of Joseph's brothers could even talk peaceably to him. And they wanted to kill him. He's 17 years old. He's a tattletale. Daddy sends him out one day to find out how his brothers were doing because he can come back and tattle on him. He'd already done it once. And he gets out there and his brothers say, oh man, there comes a dreamer. Let's kill him. One of them talked him and throwing him in a pit. They rip off his coat of many colors, throw him in a pit. And all Jacob's done has been a spoiled brat. It wasn't his fault. I ain't seen a kid yet when mom and dad tried to spoil him say, no, really stop. No, don't buy me that. No, don't give me no more candy. I don't want that PlayStation 33. Don't get it for me. No, don't do that. I don't want 12 presents for Christmas. I'm only one kid. You don't have to do that. Never have I seen that before. So it wasn't Joseph's fault. But Joseph paid the price. So he didn't do anything to deserve it. He gets sold into slavery. Goes to Potiphar's house. And he does a good job. God's hands with him. God favors him and blesses him. Potiphar's wife tries to get him to sleep with her. He keeps his honor and says, I'm not going to do this. She lies on him. He gets thrown into the prison now. Wasn't his fault. Didn't do nothing wrong. He went from being the favorite son to being a slave to now he's a slave and a prisoner in the dungeon. He didn't do nothing to deserve it. He couldn't see no promises from God coming his way. He'd probably been told the whole 17 years of his life by his daddy, you're the chosen one, Joseph. God's going to bless you more than all the others. You're my special one, and God is going to bless you. And now he goes from being a slave to being in the dungeon. And he didn't do nothing wrong. Can't see no promises coming. He's in the dungeon. A couple guys have a dream. He interprets for them. He tells them, don't forget me. Two years go by. They forgot all about him. Two years go by. It's been 13 years. He's 30 years old now. So almost the whole second half of his life, he's either been a slave or he's been in a dungeon for nothing that he can see. But God's will for his family line is that they won't starve, first of all, and second of all, that his descendants come from Egypt. So none of it makes any sense from Joseph's perspective until the day Pharaoh has a bad dream and one of the men, the butler, tells him, I know a guy in the dungeon that told us what our dream was. They go get Joseph. He tells the Pharaoh his dream, and now Joseph is the number two in command in all of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Here's how it winds up. All those dreams for Joseph, all of them seem dead. All of them. Genesis 45, verse 1. And we're finishing up right here. 45 and verse number 1. I'm heard of it. 
Joseph's number two in command. The famine's everywhere except in Egypt because Joseph told the Pharaoh what to do. Pharaoh put him in charge. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to get food and they got to come to Joseph. We're going to cut to the end. We'll cover some more of that in another, in another lesson. But now, his brothers don't know who he is, but now that's getting ready to change. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried. And he said, get everybody out of here. And there stood nobody with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. Now remember, Joseph looks like an Egyptian. He's dressed like an Egyptian. His brothers have no idea who he is up to this point. He's talked through an interpreter. They don't know he understands anything they're saying. And they're yapping and yapping in front of him, don't, not knowing that he understands it all. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brothers couldn't answer him because they were troubled at his presence. Yeah, I guess so. They probably thought this guy's going to kill us all. Imagine the last time you seen him, you took his coat of many colors off. They ain't no telling what all they said to him. Threw him in a pit, left him for dead, and then sold him as a slave. And now, he may as well be Pharaoh. Mm. And Joseph said unto his brethren, now this is 13 years later, okay? Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Don't be grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me here. For God did send me before you to preserve life. I guarantee when they had their arms on him and threw him in the pit, it didn't feel like God. I guarantee when he was in Potiphar's house and doing the best he could and Potiphar's getting blessed and Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him and he refuses it and Potiphar don't believe him and he gets thrown in the dungeon, it did not feel like God's hands were upon his life. I'd say it forgot. It felt like God had forgotten all about Joseph. But see, now here Joseph is after it's all through and now he looks back and he sees, I see you back there, God. I didn't see you when I was back there. I didn't feel you when I was back there. It didn't make sense to me when I was in it back there, God. But now it does. And see, here's the thing about God that's hard to keep in mind. He said, while Joseph's up here now with God, after all that's over with and he's in the will of God, God had already been up here all that time too. So while Joseph was in the pit and had been thrown in there by his brothers, God was in the pit. He couldn't feel him in there with them, but he was in there with them. And while God was in the pit with Joseph and all Joseph could see was a pit, and felt like God had left him. God was already in Egypt on the day that Joseph would be number two in command. So we have to remember, even when we can't feel God with us, He is with us. And when you're in a pit, and it looks like everybody you should have been able to trust betrayed you, 
and you can't see the will of God in this pit for you at all, you've got to remember on that day that the God that was with you yesterday is already in your tomorrow wherever the purpose for this pit is for. And that means even though you may not be aware of it, He is here in this pit. There's a purpose in the pit. Well, I feel better about some things back down the road for myself. Say, God did send me before you to preserve life. Let me ask you this. Do you think if this would have happened a few years earlier, Joseph would have been in the mood and the frame of mind to preserve their life? See, here's the truth of the matter. God had held that famine off the whole 17 years waiting for Joseph to become the Joseph he needed to be, not to look at his brothers that did him dirty and kill them the minute he saw them. Why did Joseph get betrayed by Potiphar? Because Joseph wasn't who he needed to be yet to be the number two in command in all of Egypt and save all his brothers. The Joseph that was in Potiphar's house had the hand of God on him he would have killed his brothers dead. Why did Joseph, when he told the butler and, and, and the baker their dreams in prison, why did that butler forget him for two more years? Why did God wait and give Pharaoh that dream for two solid years and leave Joseph in prison for two more years? I'll tell you exactly why. Because it took two more years for Joseph to get to the place where when he did become in that place God had for him, that he wouldn't use that power in the wrong way. Because this Joseph right here looks at his brothers and says, I understand now. There was a purpose in the pit. I understand now what you meant for evil. Ain't it Joseph that says that? What you meant for evil, God meant we're good. So I want to bring something to you. It's going to hurt a little bit. I know. That's unusual. <laughs> you have to forgive somebody back down there. Woo! I'm just going to be honest. If they hadn't done what they did back down there, you'd still be back down there. Right. And you'd look just like all the rest of them. You'd still be dressing in wildcat blue. Right. Your family heritage would be a whole other thing right now. Yes. It'd be loaded with religion. Yeah. Gonna have to forgive. They meant it for evil. Ain't no doubt about that. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's caused you to be the Jimmy and Stacy Wells that you are. Today, without them, you would not be the Jimmy and Stacy Wells you are today. You would not have the heritage you have right now to pass on to the ones that come after you if it were not for the ones that meant you evil. Right, amen. Yes. Yes. Uh, evil. They meant it exactly the way they did. They ain't even no, they ain't no, they ain't no dressing it up. They did it wrong and they meant to do it that way. 
They did it hurtful and they meant it that way. And they had no, it didn't come from no good place. But now, now that you're the Lord of the church today, your whole family heritage has changed. Amen. If it wasn't for the ones that meant it evil and did evil, Abby would not be surrounded today. She'd have it on one side, but the other side would still be there. Mm. So you're going to have to find a way in here to do just like Joseph did. It was not you that sent me here, but God. <clears throat> Just stand with me. This section of Scripture in Genesis 45 is 22 years after Joseph had his dream. Twenty-two years. He was 30 years old. He was 17 when he told his last dream to his brothers and he got thrown in the pit. He was 30 when he stood in front of Pharaoh. There were seven years of plenty and then this is the second year of famine. Joseph is now a 39-year-old man seeing the fulfillment of a dream he received when he was a 17-year-old child. Between the dream and his fulfillment, betrayal by his brothers, his family, a pit, a slave, and a dungeon. But because Joseph kept his honor with God, it was a favor of God in Potiphar's house. When Potiphar's wife came to Joseph, he could have did what doubtless others had done before him. But he kept his integrity. And what did he get for it? He got thrown in a dungeon for it. Horizontally. But vertically, that God that sits on high saw Joseph keep his honor when there wasn't anybody around for him to keep it for other than God. And Joseph even told Potiphar's wife, how can I do this to God? When you feel like God left you, most people ain't asking, how can I do this to God when they feel like God has abandoned them? Joseph did. Joseph got in the dungeon and kept his integrity with God. So when your brothers betray you, you got to figure out a way to keep your integrity with God. When your family turns on you, not if, somebody going to sooner or later Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? He said, I came to bring division. Mm-hmm. And I came to bring it in people's own houses. Yeah. Sons against fathers, mothers against daughters. Yeah. Sooner or later, somebody's going to turn and it ain't going to be because anything you did. That's when you have to remember 
that you serve a purpose in your whole family line for all the rest of time. And keep your integrity with God. This right here is a part of fulfillment of the promises of God in your life. But this is just the start. We're going to have at least two Abbeys in here. And I'm thinking we're going to wind up with a third. But we're going to have at least two Abbeys. We're going to see the day when they encounter God. With our own eyes, we're going to see that. So these promises, they're just now getting ready to happen for all of us. But we have to even when it don't make sense here, we have to trust the one that sits there and keep our integrity with God. But today, I'm going to ask you to do a specific thing. And I need to do this too. I'm going to ask you today if you can bring somebody with you to this altar. Maybe you don't feel hatred for them. Maybe even when you think about them, it don't rile you up like it used to. Or maybe you don't feel hurt in your feelings anymore when you think about what they did or the way they behaved or how they acted that they shouldn't have. And maybe it don't cause any of those emotions to stir in you today. But but I just I'm impressed in my spirit that there are some people that we need to bring up here today that caused some things to happen back down the road down there. And they flat, they, they didn't mean any good by it. But today we got to let that go. And we got to find the spirit of Joseph somewhere and say, Lord, I didn't like it when it happened. And I wouldn't go hang out with them today. <laughs> But what they meant for evil, Father, you have meant for good, and here I am because of that. So I give them to you today, and I hold no ill will. So I'm going to ask you, if you come today, bring somebody with you. Bring them to the altar. Lord, I thank You, Father, that every single one of us, every one of us, Lord, I never thought there'd be a day where I was going to thank You for a pit. I never thought there'd be a day, Father, where I were going to thank You for for brothers or family turning their back, Father. I never thought there'd be a day where I would thank You for somebody that did something to me that was just flat out wrong. They meant it wrong. They didn't mean any good thing by it, God. It was from a bad place for a bad reason. And they even enjoyed the fact that it hurt. But Lord, here I am today, Father, and I can look from this point backwards and I can see where You have used them to bring me where I am today. Lord, I thank God I'm not still there. I thank God that You have used them to move me into the place You want me to be, God. And Lord, there are some things in my heart that still hurt, Father. There are still some memories, God, that cause me pain when I think about them. But Father, today, Lord, I stand here, God, and I know that You used them to move me 
into the place you wanted me to be. You used them to move my family into the place you wanted us to be, Father. There have been some pits back down the road, God. There have been some betrayal back down the road, God. Lord, there have been some things where we did our very best, Lord, and we did it for the right reason, but it didn't do anything but bad. It didn't cause us anything but trouble, Lord. And it didn't make any sense when it happened. And it broke our heart, God. But Lord, today we stand in a place where our family heritage has been changed forever. Every generation that's going to come after us now, God, has a heritage that can be found in the book, line upon line and precept upon precept, Father. Every generation that comes after us, God, will be able to find what we pass on to them in your word, God. Lord, I ask you today to help us. Lord, if there be any bitterness in us, Father, Lord, take it today. Let there not even be a root, Lord. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the people that you used. They have no idea they were used by you, God. So we ask you today to visit them, Lord. We ask you today to speak their names and bless them. We would stand in the same spirit Joseph stood in. And we would recognize, though they meant it for evil, you meant it for good. So we ask you to visit them today, God. Visit them with the same pure truth, Lord, that you have maneuvered us into, God. Speak their name in the middle of the night, Lord. Let them feel your presence in their bedroom when they lay down to go to sleep, God. Speak to them, Father. Give them direction and guidance, Lord. Draw them closer to you, Father. Lord, pull them in. Lead them into this awesome heritage, God. The Lord, help us, Father. Help us not to be so quick to feel like you've abandoned us when we find ourselves betrayed. Help us not to be so quick, not to be so quick to determine that it's not the will of God when we find ourselves in a pit or when we do our best and it's not appreciated, or we do the right thing and it just causes us trouble. Lord, help us to keep our honor and our integrity with You, Lord. Knowing that You're with us when we wake up in the morning, You stand at our bed when we go to sleep at night, and You have a purpose in every pit, a plan for every pain, We pray now, Lord, for those generations to come after us. We pray today for every generation of the Russell family that is to come, every generation of the Wells family, the Rapier family, the Allen family, the Goff family, the Needham family, the Foster family. We ask you to visit them today, God, and bless every generation that's going to come and let us leave a heritage for them that will stand true through time, God. Whatever it is you want to use us for to bless those that come after us, God, here we are. We love you, Father, and we trust you. Glory to your name, Jesus. Lord, we forgive you.
We forgive the preacher. We forgive the brother. We forgive the sister. We forgive the church. We forgive the family member, Lord. Hold it not at their charge, God. They didn't know what they were doing, Father. But you did. So we forgive them today. We'll carry no bitterness in our heart from this point forward. And when we think about them in the future, Lord, we'll thank You for them and ask You to bless them, God. Glory to Your name. Lord, I ask You to bless Your people this week, Father. I ask You to keep Your hand upon all of the families in our church family. I ask You to strengthen and encourage them. Visit them, Lord. Use them, God. Let the light that shines through them, let it, let it be apparent to everybody they come in contact with, Father. Bless them every way you've got to bless somebody. Strengthen the hedge that is around God that no unclean thing would ever be able to pass through. We are our brother and our sister's keepers, God. Thank you for our church family today. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for bringing us together. And whatever your purposes are for us, God, here we are. We give you glory and honor today. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Glory. God bless you. I know this one will probably bounce around inside for a little while. Good. We love you. And I just want to say, though, I hate the things you've been through to get you here. I'm glad they happened, and I'm glad you're here. God bless you. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name.